welcome back to Vampire Weekday. Today we have a very special episode where we are covering Harmony Hall, um, an all-time Vampire Weekend classic, uh, the lead single off of um, Father of the Bride, um, and definitely one of their bigger hits. Uh, once again, I'm joined by my co-host Kevin, uh, as always, and uh, yeah, we're excited. What, what, what do you think, Kevin? Um. Yeah, this is this is really the gold standard of, of of Vampire Weekend songs. This is really just an unbelievably well crafted tune the whole way through, and so it's exciting to it's it's an honor to be here with you, Nico, to to, to put it to put it lightly. <laughs> it's really a beauty to be here. And I do want to inform our audience kind of where we stand uh, as a podcast. Just some you know broadcasting notes, if you will. We're recording this on uh, November 1st, 2020. <laughs> um, you guys won't be hearing this for another nine days. Um, so just put yourself in where you were on November 1st. <laughs> Think about how we feel right now. And um, I mean, come on, Notre Dame and Clemson haven't even played yet. We got to see how this goes. Oh, there's a, yeah, there's, there's a lot there's that a... needs to happen over the next several days. And then I um, think there's an election. Like, there's 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 been talk of an election i'm yeah. getting my wisdom teeth out on friday okay. so really i mean there's there just a lot go. going on here um but hopefully all is well with you folks on the other side i, I love how Notre Dame clemson is the first thing you allude to <laughs> over the election <laughs> i mean i couldn't have told you the date of the election a few months ago but i could tell you the date of Notre Dame clemson oh yes of course <laughs> um but yeah, so we'll be releasing this after a couple monumental events this week. Um, so if anything sounds dated, that's because it probably is. Um, <laughs> and yeah, this song, um, it's pretty political. Uh, I don't think there's any way around it. No. I mean, it's it's political in the thinly veiled Vampire Weekend way, where um, it's never explicit by any means, but... But it's almost um, it's still uh, pretty apparent. I would say in mood and aura, it's explicit, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Especially in that second verse. Like you might not know what they're talking about, but you're like, clearly there's some commentary, some pretty serious commentary going on here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would I would definitely agree with that. Um but yeah, I think we can dive in. Um so the first thing I wanted to bring up is how the song was made. Because this is the lead, lead single after their newest album. Um, and there was a six-year gap in between the two albums. So a lot, lot of pressure was on the song. I remember when it dropped with 2021. Um, I think it was like they gave a week's notice and all the Vampire Weekend community was just like freaking out. And I remember I listened to the song like, probably eight times that first day because it was just the first new vampire weekend in six years um it was dropped with 2021 a quick little like one minute 20 little snippet um so that was that was an interesting choice um and Ezra stated that um it started with the piano part that's in the middle um and then they added the guitar riff to it and then the lyrics. So I thought that was interesting because the, the piano part definitely um, takes on a lot of those Baroque vibes from like the first album. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 
because a lot of people always say like oh like this song clearly shows the evolution of Vampire Weekend into something new beyond modern vampires of the city. And to a certain extent, I'd agree, but it also includes the incorporation of all three past albums um, together into something new, which I, I thought was really cool. Yeah, because you're it, it, it's a it's a big song and it's it's I think immediately when we think of this, we think of this big grand piece of music, but you're right. That piano solo is, a, is characteristic of the older albums. And also it's, it's, it's kind of a tighter, concise piece of music. The other thing, and this is something I didn't really notice until I started like actually like looking at these lyrics, we only really have two verses here and they're both pretty concise. Mm-hmm. Like there aren't a ton of, different lyrics in the song it's a very long song but we have a very long chorus that we hear several times mm-hmm. yeah yeah and I, I like how you said grand because actually when they announced the song coming out with that week build-up they also released a youtube video of 120 minutes of that guitar riff over and over again <laughs> not not the touch ah. of gray guitar riff but at the beginning though like, yeah kind of uh I don't even know what you would call it, but um, I, Dave Longstreff of uh, Broken Projectors or Dirty Projectors um, is the ones playing that for this song. I did and, not know that. Yeah, it's yeah. a it's it's just a pretty kind of simple hammer on pull off kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's not simple. I've tried it. It's harder than it looks, but <laughs> it's fun. Um, but it's not too complicated. But it's it's beautiful and it's a great way to start the song and the the way they kind of tie it into that second verse. And it kind of keeps going throughout is, is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I thought that was interesting that it's, it seems like the song was built in three different parts um, because it, to me, when I first heard the song, it seemed like it flo- uh, flowed so well together that I would never have expected that. Yeah, It's like, there's different movements. Like it's almost like they're, they're, they're almost kind of feels like there's a break when the piano comes in. You know, mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it's, it's a pretty sick, not a departure, but it definitely feels different. It catches your attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would definitely agree. Um, so what was, what do you think the overriding theme of this song is? Um, I think it's, 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 it's a, it's a questioning, a critique of power structures. Um, that's kind of my first read of it. And I think that's most emblematic in the second verse. Um, you see within the halls of power lies a nervous heart that beats like a young pretenders. Mm-hmm. Young pretenders, at least my lyrical find of this was a proper noun. I found that little, little digging here. Uh, the young pretender was a nickname for a gentleman named Charles Edward Stewart, who was some part of the English royalty, and this is a difficulty I found in exactly this, Nico, maybe you can help me here, but my understanding is that he kind of led a rebellion against his father, who held stronger political positions than he, um, fighting the man, basically, fighting the power. Yeah, I, I believe so. Um, so definitely a um, classic Vampire Weekend uh, allusion to uh, modern history. Um, there that's like very reminiscent of those Hudson illusions and such Mm -hmm. Um, 
what I got from it was um, there's definitely crit critiques on power structure uh, and so forth, but um, the the biggest overarching thing for me was echo chamber because because mm -hmm. Harmony Hall that's just an alliteration uh, alliterative synonym for echo chamber. Um, so oh, you're yeah you're you're getting and like at first I thought that was a slight stretch but then in the chorus it says in the stone walls of Harmony Hall you know what stone walls do they, they echo an echo yeah and so it's just like oh so it's talking about the pre-chorus starts to make sense where it says anger wants a voice voices want to sing and so it's like all these people are angry doesn't even have to be a specific like group it's just any group that's angry like they sing together and they mm -hmm. harmonize they find the people who are saying the same thing as them until they can't hear anything else they're producing that echo chamber where it's just like oh i i've heard what i want and i've harmonized with who i want so why would i hear anything else group think yeah mm -hmm. i wow okay <laughs> I like that a lot better than what I was going after. That's <laughs> I, awesome. There's there's the political critique, the structure um, critique also. That's totally there. Yeah, because group, group thing is a danger in all sorts of spheres. I totally yeah. get what you're going at there. Um, wow, that's awesome. Um, how do we feel about this first verse, though? Because mm -hmm. we're talking about we took a vow in summertime. Now we find ourselves late December. Your mind, your mind immediately goes to some sort of relationship. You think of vow, you think of matrimony, mm -hmm. but we see their great surrender, but they don't remember who is the they and the there in this case. Yeah. Interestingly enough, I, so at first when I heard this, I was thinking like new year's Eve will be a perfect time for their great surrender. I was thinking like, Oh, maybe it's like the inauguration of like whoever becomes president next. I don't know. But then a little digging, I found out that World War I ended officially on New Year's Eve uh, with the proclamation 2714 um, in 1946. And like this wow. talks a lot about anti-Semitism and white supremacy. Mm -hmm. And so like their great surrender, like the Nazis, but they don't remember the, the neo-Nazis or whoever you want to call out they don't remember that they've already surrendered um, and it, there's this resurgence uh, that's happened in modern culture. Sorry, where, where do you see the racism and the anti-Semitism? I don't doubt you, but I'm, I'm curious where you think that's coming from. <laughs> yeah, um, so, um, so there's a couple places. Um, some of these are stretches, they're probably wrong, but th I think there's enough in here to be confident in the general theme. Um, so first I wanna point out um, in the chorus, um, actually we'll, we'll dig into the chorus in a bit. The chorus is too dense to dig in yet. Uh, but in verse two, he says, beneath these velvet gloves, I hide the shameful crooked hands of a money lender. Cause I still remember Money lenders are traditionally a caricature of uh, the Jewish people um, and have provided a lot of, um, of content to anti-Semitism 
Um, there's a lot of anti-Semitic um, caricatures out there where Jews are uh, portrayed as these uh, greedy money lenders. Um, and so it's the shameful crooked hands of a money lender because I still remember. And if we remember, Ezra grew up Jewish. So um, he has that history in him. Um, and so it's like, is he hiding? Is he trying to hide that culture um, from these people who are anti-Semitic? Um, and so that's one point. Um, the other point that might be a little more of a stretch is of wicked snakes inside a place you thought was dignified. So there's a lot of meaning here. There's, I think there's at least three possible meanings and I think all of them could be right. Um, the one that ties into the anti-Semitic part is there's been allusions to swastikas as uh, wicked snakes because of the like okay. snakes building up the swastika sure and so it's saying like there's swastikas in the side of place you thought was dignified which is probably the white house um there's also the more surface level meaning where it could be of wicked snakes as in like the political powers in play right now the trump just like bad people yeah yeah they're snakes it's bad people and then there's also, um, I think this third meaning is definitely the secondary meaning, but I do think it's there, um, of the Garden of Eden, um, because the, the Garden of Eden was this dignified place um, where um, Satan, as a snake, um, he tricked Eve into eating the apple. Um, so the wicked snake inside the place that you thought was dignified followed by the line that supports this i don't want to live like this but i don't want to die um because if you eat the apple you'll die before before adam and eve ate the apple humanity was um, immortal they they would never die um but the decision to make to eat the apple was um because they didn't want to live like this so they don't want to live like this but they don't want to die but they ended up eating the apple Wow. Okay. We got a lot here. Um, so I guess the, I mean, the first thing I'll say is we, we talked a little bit earlier about how we can look at this song, this album really as kind of an evolution from the previous three albums. And I think we're starting to see it here. Cause if you look at this song as a mood board for the album, and in many ways you can, you look at things like stone walls, velvet gloves, wicked snakes. These are the sorts of things where you would hear these sorts of lyrics in previous Vampire Week songs, but there really is a sense in which they're all kind of being tied together here. I think it's very cool. Um, and then if you want to look at that, I don't want to live like this, but I don't want to die. Uh, obviously, we haven't done Fingerback yet. Um, I really haven't looked into it, but I'm curious how the usage of this lyric is different now versus then. Yeah. And also just a pro also just a programming note. Um, very rarely do you see artists actually reuse a lyric this blatantly from two songs that made it to albums. If you I mean, artists have reused lyrics from like demo tracks and stuff they might have used in other places and ended up using it in different songs. They actually have two prominent songs that made an album share the same lyric prominently. 
is very interesting, I think. And I can't imagine it's anything other than intentional. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and Hannah, or sorry, in Fingerback, um, the, the use of it is in the outro where- That's right. Um, he says, remembrances of holy days in Town and Rye. I don't want to live like this, but I don't want to die. Condolences to gentle hearts who couldn't bear to try. I don't want to live like this, but I don't want to die. Um, so in that one, I think it's a more surface level meaning of, um, I don't, um, I'm not content with how I live right now, but also like, I don't want to die. Mm -hmm. um, in this one, there is that surface level as well. Um, there's also the possible political connotation of people who want to change the political sphere. I don't want to live like this, but also are afraid of the backlash. I don't want to die. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. And the, 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 the lyrics you're describing finger back, it does seem a little bit more literal there. Um, but yeah, again, it seems like almost a sign of maturity, if you will. Mm -hmm. What do you think of the line um, in the chorus, anybody with a worried mind could never forgive the sight? Um, it's, it's, it's tough. It's, I mean, this could also be a little bit more literal, if you will, in a sense where like, if you're seeing issues, if you're not succumbing to the echo chamber, and you see something that's giving you pause, you're gonna have reasons to think like something's up here. Something's, mm -hmm. can never forgive the sight. I think, yeah, you see something that's fishy, you see something that's not cool. And if you're in a position to have a discerning thought on that, then you're gonna be worried. Yeah, because I know the more commonly used phrase is you can never forget the site. Oh, I feel yeah. like there's an intentionality okay. of can never forgive the site. That's interesting. I didn't think about that. And so I, I, I think it plays into the, the fact that like the Wiccan snakes inside of a place he thought was dignified, the more like political meaning of, um, bad people in the play in the mm. white house um and so it's anybody with a worried mind can never forgive that sight um, yeah it's, if you're if you're again if you're able to discern and you see this yeah you're not going to be able to forgive because that goes beyond forgetting like you could mm -hmm. you could remember it but to actually discern and say not only do i see this is happening but i realize this can't continue to happen or i, I have qualms with this that's a little more powerful Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And one other thing um, that has less meaning, but I did want to bring up um, a lot of people when talking about this, the choice of uh, the title, um, talk about how uh, this isn't the first time that HH alliteration has um, happened. Oh, um, you also have Hannah Hunt. Yeah. Um, and I think that's more just something about Ezra really liking these uh, alliterative, um, fun and play 
or not even playful, but like almost majestic sounding names. Harmony Hall. It feels. I don't have a word for it, but you it I mean, just saying it out loud. Things. Yeah. Um, yeah. One interesting part about the song title is there's actually a dorm at Columbia University after they went to Columbia called Harmony Hall. Mm-hmm. But um, they've asked Ezra about it and he said like, no, that's just a coincidence. Like, and- he, he actually got mad about it, I think. Because he was like, I don't write about college anymore. Stop asking. <laughs> and the in that same breath is when he brought up the whole echo chamber idea, right? Mm-hmm. I'm assuming we're talking about the same interview. Yeah. Um, which is interesting. Maybe they knew, maybe just to kind of like piss him off a little bit, they built the dorm. <laughs> just to say, hey, let's get Col- something going here. Columbia hates Empire Weekend confirmed. <laughs> Hey, I'm as, curious, like how proud of alums these guys are. Like, are these guys wearing wearing their blue crewnecks like on the weekends, like uh, walking around town? So. I'm curious. Um, on t- time crisis, uh, Ezra has said multiple times about how college is a scam. So I don't think so. <laughs> but the biggest thing we haven't talked about yet, of course, is the music video. Yes. So much yes. to dissect here. Yes. 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 I think the first thing that caught me is that there's not a ton of smiling going on in the music video until the very end. Like people are jumping around and dancing, but like no one's smiling until the very end when they're eating pancakes together. <laughs> yeah. Why the pancakes? That's, that's the big question I have. There's yeah. That's like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, so for those unfamiliar with the music video, definitely give it a watch. Um, but um, essentially, there's a snake crawling around, which um, definitely plays into the lyrics. But th- he's crawling around a cooking station that Ezra is cooking pancakes at. And the pancakes are like super complicated, like atoms and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's like cutting back and forth between that and a girl flipping her hair. I think it's Danielle Heim who's doing it. I think it's Danielle. You don't get a good clear shot of her face, but I think you can assume it's her because she's in the song with backing vocals. And then at the end, it's like more of just filming the band playing the song and having fun with it. Uh, I think it's Chris Bayo doing like a fun dance during it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then intercut with... um, Jonah Hill of all people joining them um, and a couple others, but Jonah Hill joining them for pancakes. Yeah. Somehow when I watched this, I just completely missed the fact that Jonah Hill showed up. <laughs> I don't know if I like wasn't looking the right spot, but like there's a pretty solid, I don't know, 20, 30 seconds at the end of like them all just eating pancakes together. And apparently Nico tells me that Jonah Hill's in there somewhere. Yeah, he's he's there. He's enjoying his pancakes. <laughs> um, yeah, and him, Blood Orange, I think Danielle Himes also there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's it's an interesting music video for sure. It's a, it's a neat thing, and they flash. Because um, I'm trying to think, I don't I know this life got a music video on this album. I don't mm-hmm. know if any of the other songs got one. Uh, Sunflower did. 
Okay, that's right. That one's a fun one. With uh, yeah, I haven't watched that one yet, but Gary I like how... in that one. Really? Yes. That's fun. That's just fun. <laughs> they're, in um, a, they're in a Jewish deli. Um, him, Ezra, and um, Steve Lacey. <laughs> what a crew! And, and they run into Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> what a freaking crew! Um, yeah, I, I I love how they flash the little like symbols at the beginning and the end, mm-hmm. um, and. I think that more than anything, I, 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 I go back to this episode of TC I listened to last weekend where they were answering some Father of the Bride mailbag questions. And just there really does seem to be a shift in the band of creating kind of this aura surrounding them, you know, like mm-hmm. with the symbols, with this like big song, like kind of spearheaded by Harmony Hall here. Like this is starting to feel like a movement almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an it's an interesting song. It definitely was a powerful one to lead off with um, mm-hmm. for the album, um, and yeah, I, I think it's a great song. I it's mm-hmm. always been one of my favorites. I was so excited when it came out, um, and because I think the other two main singles were this life and i think sunflower was the next one yes. right sunflower and I'm, yeah you're right. i'm pretty sure this life came out prior to the release of the album as well mm-hmm. it's just a well done song too it really, like it's really it's really really pretty it's really well produced oh before i forget the guitar solo oh my gosh we didn't talk about the guitar solo <laughs> It's it it has touch of gray written all over it. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not even a touch of gray; it's a slab of gray. There's there's time. a good there there it is. Well done, Nico. <laughs> That's funny because it's like just looking at touch of gray. Touch of gray is I think it's a really fun, good song, and obviously all deadheads will tell you that like it's not. It's a it's a Grateful Dead song, obviously, but like people will look at you funny if you say it's your favorite Grateful Dead song. Um, <laughs> And I'm curious, I wonder how people will look at Harmony Hall in 10 years because mm-hmm. Touch of Grey is a song filled with social commentary. It's not necessarily a happy song. And this is kind of in the same vein. True. Um, but yeah, it's, it's got to be one of their biggest, if not their biggest song mm-hmm. to date. And I'm curious just like, how this is going to age, like in the context of the rest of the band's songs. Yeah. It was nominated for uh, best rock song at the Grammys because apparently that's the right. entire weekend is rock. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I, I, I think about this too, because it's like, what do you call them a rock band? I mean, no. indie. <laughs> They're alternative. It, but the thing is, yeah, it's, it's got to be alternative because indie really, it's kind of a thing, but like Bony Ver, the first Bony Ver album was indie. Mm-hmm. Now it's like an established genre. So can you really call it indie? No. Um, yeah, indie, indie is a phrase that has been stripped of its meaning. Exactly. Exactly. When you're signed to Sony, you can't yeah. really call your, no. <laughs> your, your music indie. Um, yeah, I think alternative is probably the best way to put it. But yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, if for any listeners who aren't familiar with Time Crisis, Ezra's um, radio show that he has on Apple Music, they talk about the Grateful Dead all the time. Um, it, from what it sounds like, he 
Um, his co-host has always been into the Grateful Dead, and he got Ezra into it um, sometime after Modern Vampires of the Le- of the City, um, and in between this album. Um, and so, of course, this album's gonna have a little little dead in it. Yeah, we we, we talk about the influences on Stranger, um, and even if the musical connections aren't necessarily there the aura surrounding it definitely is mm-hmm. let me kind of talk about like the fact that you're selling t-shirts with snakes on them like this is kind of the beginning of like a movement you know this feels like you're really kind of creating a community here yeah yeah and the snake uh the snake is what the uh our logo comes from if if anyone hasn't put that together yet so yeah behind, uh, a little behind the music for you guys there just exactly. in case anybody didn't catch that <laughs> if anyone was like why is there a green snake in their vampire weekday logo um yeah there's a lot here there's so many connections to the vampire weekend broad broader universe um the vwu um that it just kind of is crazy yes yeah this is it's it is essential reading um I think we kind of joked last week about like getting this song so early it's like how many songs do we have left but I think (laughs) It, I think it's important that we did this in the earlier stages of the show because um, you're right, there's just so much here. There's mm-hmm. just so much here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, which reminds me, I wanted to discuss with you. Um, so Time Crisis, the universe is called TCU. Mm-hmm. Vampire Weekend, I don't know if they ever put an f- official name on it, but probably VWU. So what are we? What is our universe? I guess maybe we can put it to a poll of our 11 Twitter followers. And <laughs> see what they 11, think. 11 Twitter follows, followers that include us. <laughs> include us, um, our f- friends. Those are We know those people. Our friends and, who don't listen to Vampire Weekend. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah do, we, do we have a fan base? I, this is curious. I don't know. We we saw last week we have a pretty sizable UK fan base. So shout out yeah. to any of those folks. You, you know what? Go go check out the Twitter. We'll leave it up to you guys. Shoot me a DM on Twitter at Weekday Vampire. Yeah. Is it, if anybody DMs me, let me know if you got something good for us. Maybe maybe we're getting fangirled out here, Nico, and nobody even knows. Uh, yeah. I mean, we'll see. We'll we'll see. <laughs> All right. We'll, figure we'll, we'll out. have to wait a bit, but we'll see. Um, okay, moving on to top five. Okay. Um, Stranger, Harmony Hall, and then Unbelievers, Campus, Walcott. Mine is, oh, these four, it's like 1A, 1B, 1C, 1D, man. I know. I ah, okay. Unbelievers, Campus, no, Unbelievers, Harmony Hall, Campus, Stranger. It just hurts to put that so low. Um, right. And then I'll go with Bambina. Okay. I can respect that. Yeah, I don't know. Our, our list change every week. I, there's I no like no consistency there <laughs> i'm not keeping track of myself i'm not keeping myself honest <laughs> yep okay so our hat of the week in honor of notre dame clemson 
green out. There green. Is Hashtag green Irish were green. Yes. Irish were green. If we have lost by then, then me and Kevin will be very sad. But um, the hope right now is, is strong. You know, that's the important strong. part. Notre Dame, I know this is what you came for, but Notre Dame, Clemson prediction, 27-23 Irish. We, win or lose, we have a damn good football team. Yeah. Like, we are really – like, we're probably not as good as Clemson, but we have a damn good football team. Okay. So, our we song have? for next week is a fun one. Um, a little, little more uh, light after a couple heavy hitters in the past few weeks. Jonathan Lowe. Do you recognize the song? I've never heard the song. It was never even heard of it. Twilight soundtrack. Um, oh my gosh! That that was when Twilight was pulling some heavy hitters on their soundtracks. They got Paramore, they got Vampire Weekend, they got Def Cab for Cutie, and all of these songs were like exclusives to the movies. They weren't on the albums; they were just on the soundtrack. I've never um, heard of the song. This is so, so this, cool. This is on Twilight Saga Eclipse. Um, this rocks. So, have you seen the Twilight Saga? I have not. No. Oh, yeah, you might have some homework. <laughs> I was gonna say I got a big week ahead of me. Oh boy. Oh, this is gonna be fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, tune in next week to watch two twenty-two-year-old men analyze uh, Twilight. <laughs> Twilight. Godspeed, folks. See you, folks. Thank you.